Okay, so we're going to do something that we said we wouldn't do, but I think we're going to do it, and it's going to be good, and you'll be glad that we did it when we do it. Are you excited to do it? All right. Stand to your feet. You have no idea what I'm even talking about, but I love the energy. We're going to do one more week of the Silent Killer series. Pastor Robert, how many of you were last week when Pastor Robert preached on anger? So good. So good. Man, if you have struggled or struggle with anger, if you're online in the room and you missed that, do yourself a favor, do your roommates a favor, do your spouse or future spouse a favor, and watch that sermon and let God use it. Deeply practical, wildly inspiring. It was phenomenal. Thank you, Pastor Robert, for last week. This week, the plan was to jump into a new series, and we will next week. We've got a whole series on faith. So if you if you got a friend who's been down, who's been beat up, who's had a hard time in this season, and they want a space to be uplifted with hope and faith, bring them next week. But I felt like as we were spending time and I was just praying, Lord, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you trying to do? I felt like we needed to do one more sermon to wrap up this series, helping us to culminate what God has done in our hearts during this time. And I'm praying to God that he'd give me grace to do it right. Revelations 12 is going to be the passage. If you could turn there in your Bibles, I found it ironic that Pastor Robert preached on anger. And then the afternoon, the dolphins played in such a way that they fueled my, <laughs> I was like, thank anybody else thanking the Lord for the sanctification process of the Miami Dolphins and being a Dolphins fan, right? I'm like, man, Lord, you're so faithful. Good. <sighs> That's not the point. Revelation chapter 12. Here we go. This is John, the revelator, giving a prophetic revelation of what happened in the cosmos. He says, then war broke out in heaven. That'd be pretty crazy to watch. Michael and his angels, they fought against the dragon. You're like, who's the dragon? Chill out, I'll get there. The dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven, and the great dragon was hurled down. Here he is, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, right? That's the dragon, and he leads the whole world astray. He was, healed, he was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say this, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accusers of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. By the way, did you know that's the devil's job description? Why do I always have these thoughts that come in and make me feel so bad about myself and beat me up and beat me down? Where does that come from? The accuser of the brethren, who accuses them before our God day and night, he has been hurled down, and here is the good news. And they, the people of God, the followers of Jesus, they triumphed over him. How? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They triumphed over him. How? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They triumphed over him. How? By the blood of the lamb and the Word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. Lord Jesus, help us out and give us courage to open our mouths. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. Is that Jazz? What's up, Jazz? It's good to see you, girl. You can find your seats. This morning, I want to talk on the silent killer of silence. I want to talk on the silent killer of silence. Have you ever contributed to your own defeat? Ever been there before? A few of us, yeah. Um, my wife and I took our two kids, Liam and Lucia, to the park. I've shared about them, and so you've gathered a bit of our son, Liam's personality. He's five, and, and so we were there at the park, and we were playing, and we were running around, and while we were there, we noticed that there was an um, untypical 
amount of trash littered throughout the park. Now, my son, who felt like apparently the park was his park, he said, who put trash all over my park? I was like, okay, son, all right. So he was very frustrated that someone had trashed his park. Um, and now I have a confession to make, and um, you experienced some of this, uh, but I am full on in dad joke mode at this point in my life. You get some of it from the pulpit, right? Just imagine my wife who lives with it, okay? This is just, it's just where we're at. And so I looked around and, and Liam was all frustrated and I couldn't resist myself. And I looked at all the trash and I said, man, I tell you what, son, that is trashy right there. That is trash. And that's what Nancy did. The obligatory, she rolled her eyes. She's like, oh my goodness. And she laughed and it was ridiculous and it was funny. And Liam, he just thought it was so cool. So he goes, he plays, they run around, and, and we get back in the car. We had a great time as a family, and, and we got back in the car, and we were doing something about names. Like, we were, Liam likes making up nicknames, and so we're all, like, saying our names, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be this, and, and, and I'm pretty sure he gave us, like, Paw Patrol characters or something. I don't know what it was. And so he was giving us all names, and he's like, and mom, mom's trashy. Now, what you have to realize is my son Liam loves to laugh, and he loves to try to make other people laugh. He'll come up with jokes, and so what I did not know as well then, and I know now, is that if you ever get a laugh out of someone for any reason, it doesn't matter if he does not understand why, he will replicate that junk all day. So I looked at him in terror, and I said, what did you just say? He said, mom's trashy. And that was the day that two lash men almost died. <laughs> and my wife looked at me and she's like, making disciples. <laughs> and I realized I had created a monster. But my son is amazing and he's going to get saved and it's going to be incredible. Um, but but I, I, I tell that story. You're like, man, we're going to pray for your parenting, Pastor John. Please do. I tell that story because here's the genesis of this sort of bonus sermon in the Silent Killer series. As I spent time really last week and the week before asking the Lord, God, you, I've gotten so many text messages. I've had so many conversations with people and this goes well beyond, it's not the worship team, it's not Pastor John, we've had different preachers. I've, I've had so many stories at this point of really significant moments with Jesus that we as a church family have had during this series. I mean, we've talked about some heavy stuff. It's been silent killers. That has not been hyperbole. We've talked about greed and we've talked about uh, anxiety and we've talked about bitterness and unforgiveness and we've talked about anger. I mean, these are the types of things that people get destroyed by in their lives and they never overcome and they never get over it. And, and I've gotten enough of these texts. How many of you would say at least once in this series, it just hit it? It just hit home. Like you're like, whoa, man, this is the Lord. And so I've gotten a sense that that's been a lot of us and, and, and the, the warning in my heart was very clear. The question in my mind was, Lord, how do we sustain the gains that by your spirit you have been trying to enact in our hearts during this season? Or, or to say it another way, how do we continue in the deep work that God started? Because, and I, I need us to catch this, if we are not careful, we will treat the deep and transforming work of the Holy Spirit like a viral internet video, meaning we'll get all lit up in the moment. Oh my God, did you hear it? Oh my God, come on, that's so good. And we might, we might like it and we might even share it. And then 15 minutes later, the next thing pops up and we move on. And without intention, by our own distraction and silence, we unknowingly contribute to our own defeat. And the legitimate deep work that the Holy Spirit was doing gets cut short and we never get free 
and we never get transformed. And we assume that, man, I guess God isn't powerful enough. And he said, no, son, no, daughter, you just gotta stay there a little longer. I wasn't done working yet. Scripture is clear. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Now, one of those has nothing to do with us. Can you guess which one that is? Blood of the lamb, right? You're like, I didn't, I'm pretty sure I didn't do that. I don't know what that means. I'm not from a church background, so that just sounds creepy. Okay, that's Jesus and his sacrifice. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, right? Blood of the lamb, that's all on Jesus. His power, his grace, his potency. He's the hero. He's the one at the end of the day. We're like, oh, he's amazing. It's, it's, G- it's all about Jesus. But we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of, who, who, whose testimony? Raise your hand if it, pertains to you. The word of our testimony, which means this, do not miss this. It is entirely possible to have the blood of the lamb and the powerful, redemptive, salvific work of Jesus on your side. But if you keep your mouth shut, you will not overcome. Because we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies. We must open our mouths and break the silence. One of the bitter ironies of this entire Silent Killers series is that we fail to defeat them, the Silent Killers, the same way they defeat us, with silence. But it doesn't have to be that way. I wanna make a statement here, sort of a core premise. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to jot this down and we'll unpack it together as we move through. Here is my big idea, here is my core thought. The silent killer of all silent killers is your silence. The silent killer of all silent killers is your silence. Everybody say, shh. Three stopping points to overcome the silent killer of silence. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, share your desires. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay. It's okay. Share your desires. Um, I am a football fan, in case you didn't know that. Uh, I'm a Dolphins fan, fortunately and unfortunately. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Um, yeah, one time, maybe Tua gets healthy, maybe, I don't know. Um, but, uh, but I was talking to a friend from microchurch. Our kids had a play date, they're friends. And so I had a buddy over from microchurch and we were talking, we were hanging out of the pool. And, uh, and so we were, I, we were talking about the Dolphins and it came out that I had never been to a professional football game in my life. Um, to which he was incredulous. He's like, you talk about sports so much, you do this, like you've, you've never been to a game. And I was like, no, I went to a preseason like one time, I got there late. So I was like for half of a preseason, but that's about it. And, um, and so we were talking and we were laughing back and forth. And he's like, man, that's crazy. And then he hit me with the spiritual question. He said, John, have you ever even prayed about it? I was like, of course I have prayed. No, I had it, I had it. It was kind of embarrassing. I was like, I, I've got, mm, no, actually. I haven't prayed about it. It was like, he, Jesus juked me so hard. He's like, man, why? I mean, you, you probably, like, that's like your thing, right? You should probably like pray about it. And I was like, man, you know what? And I don't know why, there wasn't like a big reason I didn't. I just never thought to pray about it. So I was like, right there in the pool, I was like, Lord, I'd love to go to a Dolphins game. It would be really cool this year if I go to a Dolphins game. Now don't go and buy me Dolphins tickets, all right? We got plans in the works, okay? So you don't have to worry about that. It's not the point of the story. But I was there in the swimming pool, prayed this prayer, 10 days later, I get a text from a buddy who's another pastor down here. He says, hey man, I don't know why, but I felt like I should text you. I have extra dolphin tickets. Do you want to go to the game? 
True story, true story. Now I did not go to the game, which I think was a better blessing than going to the game because it was last week's game and I probably would have died in my chair between the Gators and the Dolphins. They would have let me down straight into my grave and my kids need their dad, all right? So that was a blessing. But what was so cool, I know this stuff, right? Like I preach this stuff and I'm like, man, God really listens in my life. Never went to a Dolphins game. 10 days after praying, tickets, tickets. What is that? It's the power of opening your mouth and sharing your desires. Psalm 37 says it like this, delight yourself in the Lord. If you know it, say it with me. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, James fully fleshes this out before you're like, Lamborghinis, here I come, Jesus. You know, like, ah. James says this. He says, hey, listen, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're like, uh, I don't. Well, in your heart. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it from them. Maybe that's more true. Yet you don't, check this, yet you don't have what you want. Why? Because you don't ask God for it. Now he gives a caveat, and even when you ask, you don't get what you're, because your motives are wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure, right? He, he says, hey, listen, sometimes you're praying prayers, and man, it's like little Liam praying that he could get a steak knife to play with as a toy. Like, that's a bad request. God loves you. Father loves you. He's not gonna give you a steak knife to play with as a toy with your sister sword fighting, right? That's not gonna happen. He said, but sometimes it's not bad desires. Sometimes it's simply that you don't ask. It got me wondering this week how many of, of the good, healthy, godly, appropriate desires of our heart go unattended because of unasked prayers, not unanswered prayers, unasked prayers. Why wouldn't we do that? Sometimes it's like me and the dolphin tickets. You just didn't even think about it. Sometimes it's one of those emotional moments. You're like, man, just, just God, don't even go there. It's too painful. The disappointment is too visceral. It takes faith. It takes trust. But God has wired us in ways. We know this from psychology. We know this as we study the emotions of human beings. God has wired us in ways where we've got to get things off our chest. You ever felt that before? You're like, man, I just got to get this off my chest, right? Now, we can do this in foolish and destructive ways, right? Gossip and slander and just blowing up in anger. But the reality is the opposite of that is dangerous as well. If you've lived in a home, if you've had examples of people who stuff emotions, you know that that does not work because a stuffed emotion is not a disappeared emotion. It just manifests itself in explosions at some point when you least expect it. It's unhealthy. We see this as early as babies when it comes to their development. If babies are not attended to and their needs are not met, they grow malformed. If you want a biblical model for raw and honest communication with God, you need look no further than our boy, King David. How many of y'all have read the Psalms before? David prays some raw prayers to God. Check out this one in Psalm 13. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Talk about someone who kept it real with God. How long will you hide your face from me? How long do I have to wrestle with my thoughts and day after day I've got sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me, God. Answer me. Give light to my eyes or I'm dead. My enemy will say, I have overcome. My foes will rejoice when I fall. But I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. 
I want to give you a tool here, and I'd encourage you to jot this down. This is going to be helpful for, I'm sure, a lot of us. This is a tool called the Healing Psalm Prayer. My buddy Darren, who's a pastor down here, we, we had the educator Devo, and he shared this with teachers. I'm like, bro, that's so good. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to preach that. That is good. We see this all throughout the Psalms. This is the way David expressed and shared his desires to God. It starts with this, a complaint. I could complain to God. You complain to everybody else. You might as well complain to God, right? It starts with a complaint where you share the what. David says the what right here. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? He makes it specific. Here's what I'm frustrated about, God. Then it moves into honest communication, sharing the emotions and how you feel. You've shared the what, now you're sharing how you feel. He says in verse two, Lord, how long do I have to wrestle? I've got sorrow in my heart. It moves from there into a request. You're not just having a complain fest with God. You're actually asking something specific so that you can move somewhere redemptive. You're sharing honestly what it is that you want. Verse three, David says, God, I want you to look on me. I want you to answer me. I want you to give light to my eyes. That's a Hebrew idiom. Bring restoration, bring flourishing, bring hope, bring transformation. Change me and change my situation. And finally, it ends with hopeful expectation. We see this in verse five and six. So you see this all throughout the Psalms. It's almost like David pauses. He's ranting, he's venting. I mean, he prays some crazy prayers. Lord, take my enemies and smash their heads open with rocks and kill their babies. I mean, he prays some weird stuff. I'm like, man, this dude needs therapy, right? But he just brought it all to God. And he comes back and he said, Lord, you know what? I trust you. You've been faithful. You've been good to me. He ends with this hopeful expectation where he's reminding himself of the faithfulness of God. By the way, we have finally stumbled on this in regard to modern cognitive science. As we learn more and more about the brain and, and neuroscience, we are realizing that what God gave us for a model through King David thousands of years ago is actually the best way to do this thing. Why? Because if we do not integrate language, if we do not open our mouth, share those desires, if we do not integrate language with our emotion and we simply keep it inside and stay silent, we are unable to healthily process all that is happening in our lives. You've got to speak. You've got to let it out. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but the last two years, I have had plenty of my own healing psalm prayers to God, much with yelling and tears. We had a confidence monitor in our office there at the hub. I turned that bad boy on, shut the door, and I'm like, God, come on, come on, come on. What are you doing to me? Do you even see me right now? I know you do. I know, I know you do, but where are you at? And in the midst of what's easily been the most challenging and most painful two years of my life and leadership, in the midst of what has been several moments of screaming to, or let's be more honest, at God, I don't think he's ever felt more near in my entire life. You know God's not afraid of your desires? He wants your heart. Guess what's in your heart? your desires. Bring them to them. Share those desires. So often the depth of our hurt comes from unmet desires and needs that we never even shared with God, with people, 
Share your desires, share your needs with God and people who know you and love you and will pray with you and journey with you. Will people respond perfectly? Heaven no. Do it anyways. If you want to overcome the silent killer of silence, it starts with sharing your desires, but it also moves into confessing your sins. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh man, oh man. Confessing your sins, I remember... I was in college, it was my freshman year, and I had a legitimately transformative experience with Jesus, and I was really stuck in some besetting sins. I was really trapped in some stuff. I was trapped in insecurities. I was trapped in some stuff when it came to lust. And I remember I had a guy that took me under his wing and he started discipling me. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I don't wanna do this stuff. I don't wanna be this way. I wanna get free. I wanna get, and then all of a sudden the lies started coming in because you remember there's an accuser of the brethren and he accuses all day and night, it says in scripture. And I started thinking these crazy thoughts. Man, if, if this guy knew who, what I was really like, man, he would, he would never want anything to do with me. If this guy knew what I really, the struggles I had in my mind, the struggles I had in my life, man, he would, he would kick me to the curb in a heartbeat. He thinks I'm so cool now, but, but he just sees. And we always assume we're much better at hiding things than we actually are. You realize that? Like, you meet with someone, you're like, you're like crying in the car. Then you, you're like, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing so good. They're like, uh, your mascara is running down your face. Your eyes are puffy and red. Why are you trying to lie? Because you're not very good at it. Can we all just acknowledge we are not as good liars as we think we are? And so I finally, just out of desperation, worked up the nerve and I said, I talked to this guy that was mentoring me and discipling me. I said, hey man, here's what I'm going through. And he's like, oh yeah, I figured. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, man, I figured. He said, God did some stuff in my heart and my life and set me free and he could do the same for you, so let's do it. And that was a conversation. And I was like, what in the world? James 5 says it like this. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be, what does it say? Healed. Now, if any of you come from a Catholic background, there's a beauty of confession that Catholicism warps in a way, but it gets at the principle of it, which is confession is deeply biblical and deeply powerful. Now, the difference is that when you confess to a human, they are not forgiving you. Humans can't forgive you. Only God can forgive you. But God says, when you confess to somebody else, what does it do? Heals you. Do you think that's important? It says, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed, that you might be reminded, that you might be restored in your thinking of who God is and what he thinks about you and where you're truly at in regard to relationship and relation to God. Here's what I need us to understand. It is silence that keeps these silent killers so powerful. And that power is neutralized when you confess. Ephesians 5 says it like this, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead <laughs> expose them. I don't know why that was a noise for expose them, but it was. The imagery that's used all throughout scripture for sin, for these silent killers, is that they operate in darkness. These silent killers operate in darkness. They operate in silence. And every time you speak up, every time you confess, it is like turning on the floodlights and all of a sudden the silent killer begins to lose its power and potency. Because silent killers operate in the silence. And as soon as you begin to open your mouth and speak light into the darkness, the darkness begins to lose its grip. 
If you want to overcome the silent killer of silence, it means sharing your desires, confessing your sins, and finally, point number three, testifying about his redemption. Everybody say, testify. Say it like you mean to say, testify. Testify. We got to testify. Here's what I mean. Revelations 12, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So how do we not overcome? Blood of the lamb's already done right? Like, we don't need to redo that. That that already happened. Thank you, Jesus. We celebrate it every Easter. We remember it every communion. The blood of the lamb part, that's done. What's left to be done? The word of our testimony. So why do we keep silent? Lots of reasons. Maybe we don't feel that it's significant enough to share. It's not important enough. It's not that big of a deal. The enemy of our soul starts tossing the lies in our head day and night like he does. We're like, man, I don't want to bother them. They're going to bother them with an incredible, encouraging thing that God did. I don't want to bother them. Oh, man, they've got enough on their plate. Uh, It's not really that big of a deal. Or maybe we feel like a hypocrite. We feel so ashamed because we used to live like that. And now we're going to start talking about this. Yeah, that's that's, that's called grace. That's the point. Hey, I'm I'm a mess, but, but Jesus did this. And we get in our own heads and and self-doubt kicks in and poor self-esteem and we get the imposter syndrome and all these things in psychology that we're realizing we talk about. What, What is it all stemming from? Sin, brokenness, and the silent killers that work in the darkness? Here's what I mean by this point, testify about his redemption, because these are spiritual words that very easily could get lost in translation. Let me break it down in human language. Live honestly. Turn to your neighbor and say, live honestly. Live honestly. Here's what I mean by testify about his redemption. All I'm trying to say is live honestly. If God's not working, don't try to fake it. If God's not working, don't try to fake it. How you doing, brother? Oh, man, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm doing so good. You get in your car, you go home, and you cuss everybody out you can find. Because it's not all good. You're like, well, I don't, want, I don't want to dishonor God by, by not, what are you tell you dishonor God by lying? Live honestly. If God's not working, don't fake it. Ask for prayer. I love our microchurch, man, because our microchurch gets raw, man. People come in. We've had people talk about, okay, yeah, I just got to tell you, man, it, it's been a few years, but um, I've been smoking weed and my wife doesn't know, so I, I just, I'm convicted about that. I'm like, okay, now we're having microchurch. There we go. Why? Because now God can step in. It's not like God doesn't know, but why do you stay stuck? Because you don't let other people in. Live honestly. If God's not working, don't fake fake it. Pray, ask, invite other people in. Tell people, hey man, I'm having a rough week. I could really use some encouragement. Hey angel, could you text me some Bible verses, man? Because this week has been rough and I need some encouragement from the scriptures. If God is not at work yet, or if you don't see him at work yet, don't fake it. But if God is working, This is the the craziest one, and we all do it. If God is working, don't pretend that he's not. Come on. That's the first time someone's ever said it. Made me so happy. If God is working, don't pretend like he's not. Don't stay silent. Don't try to hide it. Open your mouth and testify. Start thinking about that. We sang this as little kids, right? We all know this, Sunday school. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Come on. This little light of mine, I'm gonna, okay, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Right, but we all, we all know that's the right thing to do, right? Y'all are like, you are a mess. Yes, I am. Bless God. 
if God is working, don't pretend he's not. And it's crazy that we do it. God does some amazing things. I mean, we've had some incredible moments together here at Western High School. Some incredible moments maybe you're watching online and got to experience. And God does something, and he starts to move. And, and, it, and you're like, you're, you're, you're sitting up there ugly crying. You're like, I don't even care who sees you. Oh, Jesus. And then you go to work on Monday, and your, your colleague, your coworker is like, hey, man, how was your weekend? You're like, oh, it was fine. Fine. You encounter heaven or earth, and it's fine. Right? Live honestly. If God's not working, don't fake it. Ask for prayer. Get desperate. But if God's doing supernatural things on your Sunday and you try to pretend it away by Monday, friends, that's insanity. Why do we do it? We're so quick to share the bad. We have a culture that profits off the negative. We have a culture that is loudly proclaiming all the horrible things about our world. And let's be honest, you don't have to look very far. But why do we shy away from sharing the good? You're like, well, I don't, want, I don't want them to think that I'm just like so amazing. We know you. You're good. God will get the glory, trust me. Like if that's your concern, it's okay. It's okay. Here's my prayer, church, that we would be the people that experience God and his power and his grace and his love and his mercy. And then we find our voice and share our story. And we testify, yeah, about his redemption. Jerry, I want you to come up and get ready to share. I have gotten to hear, I'm in this unique vantage point where I get all the complaints, but also sometimes I get all like cool, encouraging stories. There's been so many absolutely otherworldly, supernatural, powerful testimonies over the past several months of things that Jesus did outside of any person or personality. But I wanted you to at least hear one of them. So Jerry, why don't you share briefly what God has done in the last few months? Yeah, so I uh, went through a situation where I, I became very angry and bitter with God. Um, last year, uh, some things were happening in my life that I thought he was behind it. and There was a lot of confirmation, but it ended up being a very hurtful and discouraging situation. And, and I just, I lost trust. I, I ended up feeling like I couldn't trust God and felt like he did something. He gave me something just to take it away. And, and so I, I put trust in myself. And in doing that, it sort of started this internal dialogue that, uh, you know, I bottled everything up, and, and I noticed that through the months I was getting more angry, more agitated, more frustrated with things, and during all of this that I was figuring it out, um, my mom was battling cancer, and I, and I knew that I wanted to spend time with her, so I, I took the summer and spent time with my parents, and I thought this would be a time of healing. I'd, I'd figure these things out in my heart, and what actually happened was the opposite because all of that pent-up frustration and discouragement and anger that I felt toward God, my heavenly father, I took out on my earthly father. And I just started being um, very agitated and, and frustrated with him. And, and it created this contention in the house. And at one point, we didn't even talk for like three days. And it, it was just eating me up inside. And so I remember at microchurch, um, I had been sharing with some close people in my life. But at microchurch, I, I just kind of open, I started crying. And I just shared with my brothers. And I invited them in. And so I sort of broke the silence in that way. And overwhelmingly, they all told me the same thing, which was, you have to initiate the conversation. And so I decided, so, okay, I, I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And on the last day before I left, before I came back home, I, I packed up my car and I told my dad, I said, this is, this is what's on my heart. I know it's not good. I know I need to heal. I'm going to take, I'm going to talk to the people I need to talk to. But I invited him into the conversation and I was vulnerable. And, and what resulted was surprisingly beautiful. And instead of a 
an argument or a difficult conversation, he just kind of looked at me and said, I'm, I'm so sorry, and, and you have every reason to feel that way. I, I'm not perfect. And it was beautiful. And in a moment, my heart was just softened. And I had gone so much time trying to figure it out, and my heart was getting harder and harder. But in a moment, God just used that and softened my heart. But what we didn't know was that soon later, a few weeks, a few weeks later, my mom went to be with the Lord. Um, today's actually the anniversary of it one month ago. And um, during that time, we were there for, we, me and my dad were there for, any, for, were there for each other in a way that no one else could have been. I needed him in that time, and he needed me, and the Lord knew that. And it was only because of that restoration that already uh, began to happen that the Lord continued it, and it was just a beautiful moment. And what could have been a tragedy, what could have turned my heart even more bitter, and what could have made me even more angry actually ended up being a triumph. And ironically, I'm going to live with him in a couple of weeks and spend a season with him, and we're just going to heal together and, and think about my mom and, and um, you know, heal. And so that's the miracle. But it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't made that move and initiated the conversation. Come on, wild applause, Jerry Lopez. Do you feel the power of that? you feel that? Here's what we miss. It doesn't say you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. It says we. Why? Because your testimony is not just about you. Jerry shares his story about what God did in his heart and what happens in the room. All of a sudden, we start thinking, well, well, my mom, my my dad, my, my sister. And all of a sudden, you are reminded about the goodness of God. All of a sudden, you're reminded about the faithfulness of God. I remember Jerry sharing in microchurch. I remember Matt, another guy sharing in microchurch, and they start sharing this supernatural story. The whole microchurch, all the guys in microchurch get lit up. Why? Because we're reminded, wait a second, if God can do that for Jerry, I bet he could do that for me. If, God, if God's faithful in Jerry, in the midst of Jerry's tragedy with his mom and dying cancer, his dad, I, I bet he can handle my fill in the blank. But if, if, and then all of a sudden, when one person, that's all it takes, one person opens their mouth, we start to overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Psalm 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This is natural. You, you have a baby, you get a promotion, you get an award. What do you do? You tell people, how weird would it be if you meet your best friend and it's, and it's been a little while and you're like, oh, by the way, I have a baby. They're like, Right? You would be the weirdest friend ever. Like, why didn't you tell me like any of that? Like, there's a lot of steps before like I have a baby. Like how did you, what? Because it would be strange. In every other arena of life, when something good happens, we tell people about it. Except the most important thing that could ever happen to a human being in the history of their lifetime. The love of God coming down from heaven and encountering their real life. Like what is that? That's the devil. It's not logical, right? You're like thinking about it for a second. You're like, yeah, man, if I like eat a, at a good restaurant, I post it and tell people and go crazy about it. Why not when God does incredible things in my life? Because every force of hell is out to keep your mouth shut. It's a silent killer of silence. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Here's the application. Open your mouth. Everybody say, ah, hopefully you have a tic-tac, ah, right? Open 
your mouth. As silent killers quietly sneak in, we must boldly and quickly speak out. Started looking back on this whole series, every single application point of every single week was all about exactly that. Opening your mouth and not keeping silent. If it's pride, humble yourself. Live open-handed versus closed-fisted. Let God and people in. If it's anxiety, pray and learn to tell yourself the whole story. If it's greed, put up guardrails against greed. Talk about it with your spouse and roommates. If it's envy, you do the tranquil heart test. You start blessing those you're tempted to envy. If it's bitterness, you take the wounds to the healer and your bitterness to the root and you tell the story. If it's shame, you listen to and speak God's truth truth over yourselves and those you love. And if it's anger, don't sleep on it. Deal with it quickly and make it right. Every single one of those is proactively opening your mouth and using your words to see heaven come to earth. Here's my prayer. My prayer, Greenhouse, as we exit out of this series, as I believe God has done absolutely incredible things and the genesis of heaven has begun in a lot of our hearts, in the broken spaces, God is wanting to bring healing and wholeness and restoration. I am praying that we would posture ourselves in such a way that can nurture and further the growth that God has begun. How? By using your words. Let me ask you a question. If God moved powerfully in your life, most of you raised your hand for at least one of these weeks was a powerful moment between you and God. If God moved powerfully in your life, did you tell anyone about it? Maybe a lot of you did. You're like, yeah, did you you tell your friends, maybe your, your close circle, your crew, whoever that is? That's awesome. Did you tell a mentor? Did you tell a microchurch leader? Did you tell a pastor? Did you tell a counselor? Did you tell your therapist? Did you tell anybody who, who has the capability to journey with you in life and actually hold you accountable to sustaining the gains that you made? Because if you didn't, it probably won't happen. Because we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. This is what we need. We need to open our mouths and and people are like, wow, God did that? Okay, I'm gonna be praying for you. And then it's what we need and what we don't want, but what we totally want, what we don't need, but what we totally need it, right? It's like, ah, I don't know if I wanna tell someone because they're gonna hold me accountable, but actually I want them to hold me accountable. It's this crazy thing that we do, right? But if we don't, we will inevitably slip back into the comfortable and familiar silent killer of the past. If you did not tell anyone yet, maybe God did something in your heart you didn't tell anyone yet, tell someone today. Tell them today. Why? Because God did it, and it's amazing. And he might want to do something in them too. If God highlighted a silent killer in this series, it's because he wants to set you free in this area. Why? Like, I know that, Pastor John. For freedom, he set us free. Well, yes, that's a Bible verse. But also, 1 Peter says he has called us to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I mean, I love last week, Pastor Robert Sharon. I'm like, man, number one, I was just like, that opening store, I'm like, man, we don't need a security team. We just need Pastor Robert and a vehicle. That's all we need. Like, if you're gonna come in here and show some foolishness, Pastor Robert, go get him. He's gonna ram him in his car, do this stuff. stuff. I'm like, man, we gotta, he's like, he's gonna be my bodyguard and a microchurch pastor all at once. I was like, that's great. But Pastor Robert just shared honestly. It was from the heart, it was raw. Then at the end of his sermon, if you missed it, man, you need to watch it. At the end of his sermon, he shares about now as a follower of Jesus, how that same root of anger was trying to rear its ugly head again, and then Jesus brought victory. That was powerful. Because you sense that you're like, he's the, he, he would not make that story up. <laughs> that was real. And yet I can't even fathom 
Pastor Robert being that person anymore. He's a new person. And if God could do that for him, he could do that for me. See, friends, our freedom is not just for us. I know we're Americans. It's all about us, but it's not. Our freedom is not just for us. He has redeemed us as his own special people, zealous for good works. And other people need to hear your story of redemption. Other people need to hear your story of deliverance. Other people need to hear your story of rescue. Why? Because they're convinced that they can't ever make it. Which is why the redeemed of the Lord have to say so. We speak up because it's not just about our freedom. It's been wild. So many of the absolutely incredible, I mean, I wish Jerry is one of probably conservatively 50 different testimonies, absolutely supernatural, amazing testimonies of God moving and working by his spirit that almost all of them had nothing to do with a single person. It wasn't the sermon. It wasn't the music. It was an ordinary person like you and I out there in the pews who said, God, I don't know how much I have to bring to the table, but I'm willing and I'm available. And if you put something on my heart, I'm willing to open my mouth and speak. And God says, that's all I need. That's all I need. You want to overcome? It's going to take the blood of the lamb and the words of your testimony. Show up to microchurch. Show up to church at Western here on Sundays. Ready, prayed up, ready to receive from God and be used by God to open your mouth and speak words of life. And if you do, I am telling you, not only will the redemption that he's trying to bring lead to a strength and vitality that leads to overcoming, but he just might want to do the redemption that he's doing in you through you as well. How many of you think that sounds like a good life? Yeah. Let's stand to our feet. Worship team, you can come up. I felt like I was supposed to give us one final moment and one final invitation to respond to what God's done during the course of this series, and here's how we're gonna do it. I feel like I'm supposed to give a final opportunity for, for us to do exactly what I'm preaching about, to speak up and experience the freedom that Jesus died to secure. And so I'm gonna ask if our prayer partners can come up here and line the front for me. We're gonna have our prayer partners up here. Maybe you had a week that hit home for you over the past several months. Maybe you had a moment where something was stirring in your heart and you sensed that nudge. You're like, ah, and for whatever reason, you did not respond. And maybe you've been kicking yourself because you're like, man, I know that was God. I know something was happening. I just, for whatever reason, fear or insecurity or anxiety or whatever the case was, you just did not respond. You're like, man, I missed my shot. No, you did not. You have another shot. And it's this morning. This is your moment, this is, this is your opportunity to use your words to share. And then I've been praying all week and asking that the Holy Spirit would give some of these prayer partners who are just ordinary, amazing people who love Jesus, words from his spirit to bring life and healing and restoration and hope. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna close in a song. And as soon as we start to sing, if you'd like to speak up, if you'd like to articulate, if you'd like to use your words to share, you know what, a few weeks ago, God did this and I haven't told anybody, can, can you pray with me about it? I wanna see God do the fullness of what, man, a few weeks ago, I got a clear picture of the type of person I was becoming. And I'd always said, I'll never be like mom, I'll never be like dad, I'll ever be like that person. And I realized I am becoming like them. And I haven't told anybody that. Can you pray with me? Whatever you need to articulate, if you're willing to speak up and use your words to conquer the silent killer of silence, I want to invite you right now to come and receive prayer as we join in worship together. Let's do it. Mm.
Spirit, we invite you. Come and move. grace to trust you? Would you give us the courage to take you at your word? That you are able to deliver to the uttermost. Lord, that those of us that have looked and it's been generations of destruction, generations of dysfunction, we're like, man, I, I know this already. My, my grandma was like this and my mom was like this before her and her mom before her and now I'm like this and there's no hope. Jesus, we trust you that you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or think or even imagine. Lord, would you give us the courage to open our mouths and break the silence so you can bring the freedom that you desire. 